Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael. And I'm Shane Dust. Welcome to episode 179, Dusty Finish, volume 3. Wow. How, how dusty is it? How dusty is it? <laughs> how dusty could it be? Three years of dust. Who would have thunk it? I think you're going to hate yourself for using Shane Dust on this episode. <laughs> Am I? As much as we'll see gold dust over the next <laughs> few years. It is funny when we when you do the dusty finishes. It's like, oh, well, now they're, it's almost like Ouroboros where it's, we're getting to stuff we've covered. Yeah. <laughs> covering, covering stuff we've covered, but it always reminds me of matches or moments that I, uh, you know, would like to revisit. But it's so hard to just revisit I mean, wrestling stuff. Technically, in this clip show that that is just all of the dusty finishes that we've done from episode 140 to 178, um, it's actually covering stuff that we actually did cover on this show. Yep. It's from September 1987 to October of 92. Yeah, I'm gonna listen back and then just take notes. Be like, I'd like to watch uh, this match. Yeah, this match. This and match. This match. Yeah, this match. Mm-hmm. Make, maybe make a little uh, playlist. There you go. For yeah, you know, for next time I do some uh, deep cleaning in the house, put it on the television. Absolutely. There you go. WrestleMania three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's always good. Absolutely. I mean, you want to listen to us because that's why you're listening to this. But maybe let's just. Listen to Matt? Exactly. Let's listen to Matt. And now, for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. Ric Flair was in his fifth reign as the NWA World Champion, having won the title over a year prior. He would beat the man with the hands of stone in Detroit, Michigan on September 25th, 1987. Ronnie Garvin, born 1945 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, would make his professional debut in 1962. By the mid-60s, he had joined forces with his kayfabe brother, Terry Garvin, winning several tag championships in different regions. He would break off to be a singles wrestler in the early 80s, holding different titles throughout the South before joining Jim Crockett Promotions. For his accomplishments, Ronnie is a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. After winning the championship in September, the man with the hands of stone would be on a collision course for a rematch with a legend at Starcade 1987. Ronnie Garvin and Ric Flair had been feuding for the past few months over the Nature Boy's lust for Precious, Garvin's manager. They had traded victories, with Garvin usually winning in non-title matches, and with DQs in the title ones. But the man with the hands of stone had succeeded in September of 1987. The two men had a rematch set for Starcade 1987, November 26th in Chicago, Illinois, where Garvin had the early advantage using the Garvin Stomp. But after a low blow, Flair 
had started working the leg to set up the figure four. But Ronnie would escape and fight back, sending the nature boy into the cage and locking on a figure four of his own. Oh my god. Ultimately, Flair would catch Garvin going for a Thez press and hot-shotting him right into the cage, knocking Ronnie out for the pin. Flair would begin his sixth reign of the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship and would hold onto the title for over a year until he would meet perhaps his greatest challenge right back in Chicago. Hulk Hogan would meet the eighth wonder of the world at the main event on February 5th, 1988 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Using a Ted DiBiase plan, for the original ref's twin brother to make a three count to win the WWF championship. Andre the Giant, born 1946 in France to Bulgarian and Polish immigrants. He would work his father's farm until he was 18 when he would move to Paris and begin to be taught by a local promoter. He would make his debut in 1966 and start making a name for himself throughout the world because of his size. Andre would debut in the WWWF in 1973, never being pinned for 15 years, leading up to WrestleMania III. After Hogan was presented a trophy for being a three-year champion, the Giant would come out only to receive a much smaller trophy for his undefeated streak. This would upset Andre and he would turn to Bobby Heenan for advice, which brought him to odds with Hulk. At WrestleMania three, Hogan would defend his title by body slamming and pinning the Giant. Over the course of the next year, Andre would team up with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, as his hired gun. After the match at the main event, the Giant would immediately give the title to DiBiase. Andre the Giant's legacy includes being the first person ever inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame, along with being in the Greatest 18 Club, International Pro Wrestling, Professional Wrestling, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. He has appeared in movies such as The Princess Bride, Before His Death by Heart Failure in 1993. Even though Andre had handed the title to the Million Dollar Man, it was seen as a vacated title leading into WrestleMania 4, where a tournament would be held where 14 men would vie for the title. The WWF Championship was up for grabs on March 27, 1988, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, as WrestleMania 4 started. But by the end of the night, Macho Man Randy Savage had outlasted 13 others to win a single elimination tournament for the title. Randy Savage, born 1952 in Ohio to Angelo Poffo, a well-known wrestler and promoter. Savage was signed to play baseball in the minor leagues of the St. Louis Cardinals, which he did for four years, before breaking into the wrestling business, making his debut shortly after. Savage would work the Memphis area feuding with Jerry the King Lawler before leaving for the WWF. Macho Man would make an immediate impact, making the finals of the Wrestling Classic in his first pay-per-view, before feuding with Ricky Steamboat to steal the show at WrestleMania III. 
but ultimately lose the Intercontinental Championship. Savage would then begin teaming with Hulk Hogan to form the Mega Powers. At WrestleMania 4, Randy defeated Butch Reed, Greg Valentine, and One Man Gang on his way to the finals versus Ted DiBiase. Hogan would keep the Million Dollar Man's bodyguard Virgil and Andre the Giant at bay, allowing Savage to win the championship. Randy Savage is a professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer for his accomplishments. Macho Man would defend the WWF Championship over the course of the next year, when the Mega Powers would explode, forcing Savage to meet his greatest challenge ever. In Japan, Antonio Inoki had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for close to a year, but had to vacate the title when he fractured his foot. So New Japan Pro Wrestling would hold a championship match between the young Big Van Vader and the veteran Tatsumi Fujinami on May 8th, 1988 in Tokyo. Fujinami would win the match to start his first title reign, but after a no contest later in the month with Riki Choshu, the title would once again be held up. Tatsumi and Choshu would face each other in Osaka on June 24, 1988, with Fujinami once again holding the title high at the end of the evening. Tatsumi Fujinami, born 1953 in Oita, Japan, would join the Japanese Wrestling Association at the age of 17, under Anoki's watchful eye. When Antonio left to form New Japan Pro Wrestling, Fujinami left with him, and is considered one of the founding fathers of the promotion. While on excursion, Tatsumi would win the WWWF Junior Heavyweight Championship, bringing it back to Japan and establishing it as the premier junior title in the country. By 1981, Fujinami had bulked up to move to the heavyweight division, and would continue to be successful with 1988 being his banner year, winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship twice, but also multiple other titles in the U.S. For his accomplishments over the years, Tatsumi Fujinami had been inducted into the International Professional WWE, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and Professional Wrestling Hall of Fames. After holding the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for close to a year, he would relinquish the title once again so that he could participate in a tournament with the final at the first Tokyo Dome show in the history of the company. Ric Flair had won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at Starcade 1987 and held the title for over 450 days. But on February 20th, 1989, he would meet Ricky Steamboat at Chi-Town Rumble in a match where the dragon would cradle up the nature boy while he attempted to apply the figure four to give Steamboat the only major title in his career. Ricky Steamboat, born 1953 in New York before moving to Florida where he was a wrestling state champion in high school. He would make his professional debut in 1976 in the AWA before making his way south to Jim Crockett Promotions, where he would be matched up with a young upstart Ric Flair over the NWA Mid-Atlantic Television Championship. Steamboat would continue to find success in JCP with multiple United States and tag team reigns, 
but it would eventually go to the WWF, appearing on the first four WrestleManias, including stealing the show at WrestleMania 3, in most people's opinions, to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. But Ricky would choose family over work soon after, which did not sit well with management and would soon be relegated to a lower position. Steamboat would then show up as a surprise partner in a tag match against the Four Horsemen, pinning Flair to become his next challenger. After his title win, Ricky would work for many more years until a back injury would force him to retire. For his accomplishments, Steamboat has been inducted into the NWA, Professional Wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. Ricky Steamboat would not have much time to celebrate, as the Nature Boy was due a rematch, and he wanted it as soon as possible. The two men would match up again the next month in New Orleans at Clash of the Champions 6 in a 2 out of 3 falls match, where Steamboat would retain with controversy, so the feud would continue into a trilogy. Macho Man Randy Savage had won the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 4 in a single elimination tournament, celebrating with Miss Elizabeth and fellow mega power Hulk Hogan to end the show. But tensions would arise between the two as Hogan would ask Elizabeth to accompany him to the ring on occasion, which placed her in harm's way, which didn't sit well with Savage. Hulk would be beat down multiple times by the Twin Towers, and while Macho Man would always make the save, he wouldn't always be the most sympathetic, leaving the injured Hogan behind, only for Elizabeth to assist the Hulkster to the back, which again angered Savage. At the Royal Rumble 1989, Hogan would accidentally eliminate the Macho Man, and then finally during the main event too, the tensions would boil over. As the Mega Powers and Twin Towers faced off, Akeem would toss Savage through the ropes, causing him to land on Miss Elizabeth. Hulk would pick her up and take her backstage to the trainer's room, all while Macho was being beat down by the Twin Towers. Elizabeth assured Hogan that she was fine, sending him back out to the ring, but when he reached out for a tag, Savage would slap the Hulkster and leave, leaving Hogan alone to win the match. Hulk would return to the trainer's room afterwards, where Macho Man was waiting for him, leading to a confrontation where Savage blamed Hogan for what happened to Elizabeth and being jealous of his championship reign. Hulk tried to calm Macho down to no avail, leading to a physical confrontation that would see Hogan left laying after being nailed by the title belt. Hulk would issue a challenge for WrestleMania V, but Elizabeth declined to be in either man's corner, instead standing in a neutral corner for the match. But she would check on both men as the match progressed. Savage would work the neck and throat of Hulk throughout the match until he had him set up for the flying elbow, only for Hogan to kick out and begin to Hulk up, allowing him to hit the big boot and leg drop for the pin to begin his second reign as champion. Hogan would hold the title for almost a year to the date until the ultimate challenge would arise. Tatsumi Fujinami had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for 10 months when New Japan Pro Wrestling 
was set to hold the first wrestling event at the brand new Tokyo Dome. Fujinami would vacate the title to participate in the one-night single elimination tournament that would happen at Battle Satellite on April 24, 1989. Tatsumi would lose to Big Van Vader in the semifinals, with Vader then defeating Shinya Hasamoto to become the fourth IWGP heavyweight champion. Big Van Vader, born 1955 in California, into a military family, would grow up competing in shot put, wrestling, and football. He would earn a scholarship to the University of Colorado before being drafted into the NFL, where he would unfortunately never play a down after he ruptured a patella and forced to retire. Vader would be spotted at the gym and offered a chance to be trained in professional wrestling where he would get his first exposure in the AWA in 1985. He would make his way to New Japan by 87, where he would defeat Antonio Inoki in a match that caused a riot from the crowd that would get the promotion banned from the Sumo Hall for a couple of years. Vader would maintain a top spot in New Japan for many years before transitioning to WCW and eventually WWF before having runs in All Japan and NOAA to end his career. For his accomplishments, Vader has been inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. A month after winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Vader would face a Russian that had skyrocketed up the promotion for his first defense. Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair would have their second matchup at Clash of the Champions 6 in New Orleans where the two men would trade falls in the first 30 minutes. But as the match was nearing an hour, the dragon would go for another submission, only to fall backwards, with each men having their shoulders on the mat. As the ref counted, Nature Boy would get a boot under the ropes, while Steamboat would get a shoulder up, leading to a controversial ending, setting up a third match at Wrestle War. On March 7, 1989, in Nashville, Tennessee, the two men would exchange momentum throughout the match until Ricky would hit a superplex and apply the double chicken wing. But Flair would wrap his legs around the ropes to escape. Later in the match, the dragon would head to the top rope, only for Nitch to fall into the ropes, causing Steamboat to fall off and hurt his leg. The Nature Boy would take advantage, locking on the figure four, which Ricky would escape by making to the ropes. The dragon would fight back with chops, trying for a scoop slam, only for his leg to give way, allowing Flair to cradle Steamboat up for the pin and to become the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion for the seventh time. After the match, Nature Boy would immediately be challenged by Terry Funk, but when he was denied, Nature would be put through a table with a pile driver. Flair would survive his feud with Funk in the following months, only for a man that was making waves to challenge him at the next year's Great American Bash. After winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in a single elimination tournament at the Tokyo Dome, Vader would make his first defense a month later in Osaka on May 25, 1989. His opponent, Salman Hashminikov, born 1953 in Russia, 
was a world champion freestyle wrestler in the early 80s. Ashminikov would enter the New Japan Wrestling Dojo to train for a professional career. He would make his debut in February of 1989, dominating New Japan over the course of the next few months. Salmon would become the fifth IWGP heavyweight champion that night and would hold the title until a legend would make his presence known. Salman Hishminikov had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for 48 days when Summer Fight Series in Osaka, Japan on July 12, 1989 started. His opponent that night would be Riki Choshu, born 1951 in Tokiyama, the youngest of four to a Japanese mother and a Korean father. He would earn his way into college on a wrestling scholarship and then onto the South Korean wrestling team at the 1972 Summer Olympics. After college, Choshu would enter the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo, followed by making his debut in 1974. He would be sent abroad to gain experience and would become the first traitor heel in a Japanese promotion once he returned, after he would attack Tatsumi Fujinami for not being chosen for the inaugural tournament to crown an IWGP heavyweight champion. By the late 80s, Ricky was a stalwart in the tag division, along with continuing his feud with Fujinami, eventually earning a title shot. He would stay near the top of the card for many years until moving into a back office role by the late 90s. For his accomplishments, Choshu is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. Ricky would hold the title for the next month when the biggest man in New Japan Pro Wrestling would come calling in Tokyo, Japan, to regain his championship. After winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Riki Choshu would be a fighting champion, including taking on a challenge from a man that had defeated him earlier in the year, Big Van Vader. The two men would meet up at Fighting Satellite 1989 in Tokyo, Japan, at the Rogoku Gogugikan. The match would start with hard-hitting shots from both, but Vader would begin to overpower Choshu, even applying Ricky's own move, the sharpshooter, onto him. Big Van Vader would eventually miss a charge into a corner, allowing Choshu to make a comeback, hitting a superplex and multiple clotheslines for near falls. Vader would retreat to the outside to regroup, but would be brought back into the ring with a vertical suplex, only to recover to hit a dropkick and a sunset flip out of nowhere to pick up the win and become champion for the second time. During this reign, Vader would face Stan Hansen in a New Japan vs. All Japan Supercard. During this matchup, Hansen would unintentionally poke Big Van Vader's left eye, causing the eye to pop out of its socket. Vader would push it back in to hold it in place with his eyelid, continuing to wrestle until the match was considered a no contest. As a result of the injury, Vader would have to have a metal plate surgically placed under his eye. Vader would also begin working in WCW to help build his notoriety in America during this time. Big Van Vader would hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over a year until he would eventually meet his old rival, once more, right back in Tokyo, Japan.
Hulk Hogan had won the WWF Championship from his fellow Mega Power at WrestleMania 5 and would proceed to hold it for the next year until at WrestleMania 6, the Ultimate Challenge was accepted. Ultimate Warrior, born 1959 in Indiana as the oldest of five children, he would begin competing in bodybuilder competitions where he would meet a group of men, including the man called Sting, who decided to form a professional wrestling team. They would make their debut in Memphis in 1985 under the guidance of Jerry Jarrett before moving to other territories. By 1987, Warrior had joined the WWF where his high-energy ring entrances and face paint made him a fan favorite, which led to an intercontinental championship run after defeating the longest reign of Honky Tonk Bands with a 27-second squash match. He would feud with Rick Rude and Andre the Giant the rest of the year, but at the Royal Rumble 1990, the Ultimate Warrior would have a confrontation with the champion, Hulk Hogan. At WrestleMania 6 on April 1st, 1990, in Toronto, Canada, Warrior and Hogan would each pin the other while the ref was out, before it was Hulk up time. Hogan would hit the big boot and goes for the leg drop, only for the Ultimate Warrior to move out of the way. Warrior would then proceed to hit a splash to become the WWF Champion. After the match, Hogan would show his respect before leaving. The Ultimate Warrior would defend his title successfully for the rest of 1990, but the real world would catch up with him as he would have to defend against the biggest heel America had ever known. Ric Flair had one of the most impressive years in 1989, having faced Ricky Steamboat and Terry Funk in trilogies of classic matches. When he came into Great American Bash 1990 in Baltimore, Maryland, having been the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion for 14 months to face the man called Sting. Sting, born 1959 in Omaha, Nebraska, but raised in Southern California, playing football and basketball while in high school before embarking on a career in bodybuilding. The Stinger would be introduced to professional wrestling along with the Ultimate Warrior in 1985 working Memphis and Louisiana until Jim Crockett Promotions would purchase his contract in 1987. The company would see Sting as a rising young star, putting him on NWA's very first pay-per-view, Starcade 87, in a match to showcase him. He would continue to rise through the ranks to main event Clash of the Champions 1 versus The Nature Boy. The Stinger would be placed into feuds with the Four Horsemen before moving on to face Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda in championship matches. In 1989, Sting would enter a feud with the Great Muda over the NWA Television Championship, where neither man could ever get the better of the other. But bigger things were ahead, as the Stinger would win a four-man round-robin Ironman tournament at Starcade 89 to become the number one contender for the world championship. Unfortunately, a knee injury would force Sting to the sidelines for six months until his day in Baltimore would arrive. The Stinger would win the NWA World's 
heavyweight championship with the help of his friends, the dudes with attitudes, to keep the horsemen at bay. And a small package as Flair would go for the figure four to get the pin. Sting would defend the belt for the rest of the year from the shenanigans of the horsemen, which included Sid Vicious and the Black Scorpion, who turned out to be the nature boy in disguise. But Flair would want a real rematch early in 1991, and he would get it. Big Van Vader had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over a year when Ricky Choshu would meet him at Summer Night Fever 2 on August 19, 1990 in Tokyo, Japan in the Rogoku Gogukikon. The two longtime rivals would match up in front of a ruckus crowd where Choshu would bring the fight to Vader only for the big man to use his power to take control of the match. The fight would be taken to the floor where Ricky would be run into the ring post to be busted open before returning to the ring to be hit with a splash in the middle. Big Van Vader would continue the attack with stiff shots and clotheslines before heading up to the top rope where Choshu would meet him there to bring the big man down with a superplex. Ricky would fire up with enziguris and clotheslines until he would apply the scorpion deathlock but Vader would make it to the ropes to break the hold. Big Van Vader would regain control with more stiff shots and an avalanche splash in the corner, but a second attempt would result in Choshu hitting several more clotheslines that would finally take the big man down for the pin. Ricky Choshu would begin his second reign as champion, but a man who had never lost the belt was waiting in the wings. Tatsumi Fujinami had never lost the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, but had relinquished it to participate in a tournament at the very first Tokyo Dome show in 1989. During that show, Tatsumi had suffered a severe back injury that had kept him out until just a few months prior. But once he returned, he was on a warpath towards the belt. Riki Choshu had been the current champion for four months, when Tatsumi Fujinami would get a late Christmas present at King of Kings on December 26, 1990, in Hamamatsu, Japan. Neither legend would have an early advantage, trading blows back and forth, until Choshu would hit a knee to the gut, a vertical suplex, and begin to work the back of Tatsumi. Ricky would apply the scorpion deathlock, but would release it to continue striking the back. Fujinami would fight back with a dragon screw leg whip before heading to the top rope, only to be press slammed off, allowing Choshu to go back to the deathlock, which Tatsumi makes the ropes to break the hold. Fujinami would again fire up to hit a drop kick and a pile driver before going to the top rope, where Ricky would meet him there and the two men would fight atop the turnbuckles. Once back on the mat, Tatsumi would lock on a dragon sleeper but was escaped with a back suplex by Choshu. Fujinami would try an octopus hold, followed by hitting multiple drop kicks, before rolling up Ricky with an arm-locked bridging pin to become champion for the third time. Tatsumi Fujinami's reign wouldn't be long, as the man who had injured him would come calling for the belt he thought he deserved. Sting had held the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship for six months, when he would meet Ric Flair on January 11, 1991, 
at a house show in East Rutherford, New Jersey. During the match, the Stinger would take the Nature Boy to the floor with a clothesline, followed by slamming his head on the guardrail and timekeeper's table to bust him open. Once they made their way back into the ring, Nature with chops only for Sting to no-sell and hit a gorilla press slam, followed by a Stinger splash attempt, only for Flair to have moved. The Nature Boy would head up top, but he was press slammed off, followed by a leaping clothesline for a near fall. Sting would then head up the turnbuckles, coming off with a crossbody, but Nature would pull the referee into the path to take him down, so there was no one to make the count. The Stinger would keep up the attack, when the two men would bump heads, causing a double KO, only for Flair to fall on top. As the ref is making the count, Sting would get his boot on the rope, but Nick Patrick would never see it, making the Nature Boy a seven-time champion. By the end of January, Ted Turner and his company, now called World Championship Wrestling, had withdrawn from the NWA, but would continue to use the title belts, but changing the name to the WCW World Heavyweight Champion making Ric Flair the first champion. The Nature Boy would hold the title until a disagreement with the company led to him leaving with the title in hand. WCW would then go into Great American Bash 1991 without a champion or a belt. Tatsumi Fujinami had just won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship when Big Van Vader would make his challenge known for January 17, 1991, at New Year Dash in Yokohama, Japan. The two men would battle with stiff shots back and forth when Tatsumi would hit a back suplex and go for the Scorpion Deathlock, only for Vader to make it to the ropes. They would brawl their way around ringside before making their way back into the ring, where Big Van Vader would hit a splash. He would attempt a suplex, but Fujinama would float over, and deliver multiple forearms and an enziguri to send them back out to the floor. Vader would be tossed into the ring post, hitting his face and busting him open from his eyeball. Tatsumi would target the wound, with the ref even calling a doctor in to check on Big Van Vader. But he would shove the doctor away. Fujinami would then go for an octopus hold, but the size of Vader causes him to fall. So he goes for a sunset flip, which Big Van Vader just sits down on his shoulders and followed by a splash in the middle of the ring for a near fall. Tatsumi would respond with a small package for a two count when Vader would deliver a lariat for the pin to become the IWGP heavyweight champion for the third time. Big Van Vader would remain champion for the next few months, only for a rematch to take place with his longtime rival. The Ultimate Warrior had won the ultimate challenge to become the WWF heavyweight champion, but the United States was dealing with a crisis in Iraq, which brought forth a sympathizer as his new challenger at the Royal Rumble on January 19, 1991. Sergeant Slaughter, born 1948 in Detroit, Michigan, grew up wrestling and playing football in the state of Minnesota. At the age of 24, Slaughter would debut in the AWA, 
winning many regional titles in the 70s. By the time the early 80s had rolled around, the NWA had noticed his talent and he would become an NWA United States and World Tag Team Champion during his time there. By 1984, Sarge made his way to the WWF, where he would start his greatest rivalry of his career with Iron Sheik, which would continue wherever the two men ended up, including back in the AWA, where Slaughter was a top challenger for the world title. Sarge had also been drafted into the G.I. Joes by this time, being the squad's drill instructor, even making an appearance in the G.I. Joe movie. In 1990, Sergeant Slaughter would head back to the WWF, but he would turn on the United States with his acceptance of the Russian Nikolai Volkov. After the real-world invasion of Kuwait by Iraq, Sarge would support the Iraqi cause, not for political reasons, but because he liked the brutality of the regime, while the United States had become soft and weak. For his accomplishments, Sergeant Slaughter would be inducted into the Professional and WWE Hall of Fames. After defeating the Ultimate Warrior to become the new WWF Heavyweight Champion, Sarge would desecrate an American flag as part of his victory celebration, which would bring a real American to be his first challenger. Big Van Vader had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for almost two months when Tatsumi Fujinami would demand a rematch for the title he lost. The two men would match up at Big Fight Series 1991 in Hiroshima, Japan on March 4th. Fujinami would be victorious to claim the championship to become the first four-time champion in the history of the belt. A few weeks later, World Championship Wrestling would make their way to Japan for the WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show. Bringing the NWA's World Heavyweight Champion, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, in for a title versus title match. The two men would be back and forth, each working limbs throughout the match. The match would head outside the ring where Flair would send Tatsumi into the railing to take control of the match. Continuing the attack inside the ring with suplexes and neck breakers until the Nature Boy would be press slammed off a top rope to stop the momentum. Fujinami would dropkick Nate out to the floor and run him into a guardrail, busting Flair open. Back inside the ring, Tatsumi would keep up the punishment with lariats, insiguris, and a dreaded tree of woe. The Nature Boy would roll to the outside to regroup, but Fujinami was hot on his tracks, only for Flair to accidentally knock the ref down as he was charging at Tatsumi. Fujinami would make several pin attempts, but each time there was no count, as Bill Alfonso was still out. Flair would charge at Tatsumi, only to be back body dropped over the ropes, while another ref was attempting to help Alfonso to his feet. Fujinami would bring the Nature Boy back into the ring with a vertical suplex, making a cover with this second ref, Tiger Hattori, rolling in to make the count for the pin, making Tatsumi Fujinami the 41st NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. As the two companies would present the match result in different ways, it would only make sense for Fujinabi to make his way to America for a rematch in the very near future. 
Sergeant Slaughter had used his heinous ways to continue to be the WWF heavyweight champion since the Royal Rumble. But he would meet the Immortal One at WrestleMania 7 on March 24, 1991 in Los Angeles. The two men would be equally matched early on until Hogan would knock Slaughter out to the floor. Hulk would follow out only for General Adnan to help the Sarge in attacking the Hulkster. Once they were back in the ring, Hogan is able to avoid an elbow drop to fire up with a clothesline and a backdrop when he decides to head to the top rope, only for Adnan to grab his leg to slow him, allowing Slaughter to press slam him off to the mat. Sarge begins to work the back, followed by using a chair across the head as General Adnan is distracting the ref. Hogan is busted open while Slaughter goes back to work on the back with a camel clutch. Hulk tries to break free by charging forward, only to be pushed into the turnbuckle. Sarge would then grab the Iraqi flag and drape it over Hogan for the cover. But it's Hulk up time. Hogan rips the flag in half, followed by a big boot and a leg drop for the pin to make him a three-time world champion. The Hulkster would soon find that a dead man was headed his way, and he had to hope he could survive. In the Tokyo Dome, Tatsumi Fujinami had won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship from Ric Flair. Two months later, on May 19, 1991, Fujinami would make his way to Super Brawl, where the Nature Boy was waiting to regain his prestigious title. The two men would fight in and outside of the ring as they start the match with Tatsumi focusing on the Nature Boy's back, while Nature would work the legs of Fujinami. They each would apply their signature submissions, only for their opponent to escape each time. They would then head to the floor where Tatsumi would send Flair into a ring post, busting him open, allowing him to take control with an octopus stretch, which the Nature Boy escaped, only to flop down in exhaustion. Fujinami would take advantage with a pair of near falls, but Nage would begin to fight back with chops. Tatsumi would reverse a waist lock and attempt an O'Connor roll, only for Flair to shove him off to the ropes, sending him crashing into the ref, Tiger Hattori. The Nature Boy would then roll up Fujinami with the second ref, Bill Alfonso, entering the ring to count the pin for Ric Flair to regain the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. For the ninth time. A few months later, Nate would be stripped of the title along with the WCW World Heavyweight Championship when he would leave to go to the World Wrestling Federation. The NWA's top title would remain vacant until the next year when a tournament in Japan would determine the next champion. Ric Flair had held the WCW World Heavyweight Championship for close to six months. But when a contract dispute came up, the Nature Boy took the belt and went elsewhere, leaving WCW headed into the Great American Bash on July 14, 1991, with no champion and no title. The company would place the top two contenders, and Barry Windham and Lex Luger, in a steel cage to determine a new champion. Lex Luger, born 1958 in Buffalo, New York, would grow up playing football, even playing in college at the University of Miami before moving on to the CFL 
and the USFL. He would walk into the office of Championship Wrestling in Florida in 1985, where he would meet Hiro Matsuda, who would begin training Lex, allowing him to make his debut in September of 85. In 1987, Luger would make his way to Jim Crockett Promotions, where he would become a member of the Four Horsemen and win the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship for the first time. Early in 1988, Lex would turn on the Horsemen, forming a team with Barry Windham to capture the NWA World Tag Team Championship. But only a few weeks later, Windham would turn on Luger to join the Horsemen. Lex would continue his feud with the Four Horsemen, challenging Ric Flair multiple times, but never being able to get the big victory. So Luger would turn his focus back to the U.S. Championship, winning it and becoming the longest reigning champion of all time. Lex would use that reign as his way back to the World Championship scene, as he would be called upon when an injury to Sting left the Nature Boy with Adam Challenger in early 1991 but Luger would still not be able to defeat Flair for the title. Luger would become the second WCW World Heavyweight Champion after defeating Barry Windham. He would then go on to feud with Ron Simmons and Rick Steiner until his good friend would ride the waves in to face him. Hulk Hogan had held the WWF Championship for eight months when he would meet the undefeated Undertaker in the gravest challenge on November 27, 1991, at Survivor Series in Detroit, Michigan. The Undertaker, born 1965 in Houston, Texas, grew up playing basketball before deciding to focus on professional wrestling. He would make his debut in 1987, losing to Bruiser Brody in the Dallas Sportatorium for the WCCW. He would move to the USWA, where he would defeat Jerry Lawler, to win his first championship. By 1989, Taker would join WCW to replace an injured Sid Vicious to team with Dan Spivey as the Skyscrapers, before going his own way under the guidance of Paul Heyman. But it wasn't until he made his debut at the Survivor Series 1990 as the mystery partner of the Million Dollar Team that his impact was felt. For his accomplishments, The Undertaker would be inducted into the WWE and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. After defeating Hogan with the help of nature boy Ric Flair, Taker would be forced to defend the title just one week later in a rematch. The Undertaker had won the WWF Heavyweight Championship six days prior with the help of the nature boy Ric Flair. So at this Tuesday in Texas, on December 3rd, 1991, Hulk Hogan would get a rematch with President Jack Tunney at ringside to ensure there would be no outside interference. Hogan would take the attack to the dead man to no avail, which led the taker taking control after running the Hulkster into a ring post. Hogan began to make a comeback which brought Flair to ringside, where he was confronted by Tunney. Hulk also decided to go after the Nature Boy, giving him a chair shot across the back that would send Flair into the President to knock him down. With Tunney down, the Nature Boy would look to help the Undertaker, but Hogan was able to reverse, sending the dead man into a chair held by Flair. Taker would recover to grab the Hulkster, 
allowing Paul Bearer to hit him with the urn. But Hogan ducked, causing the Undertaker to be struck. Hulk would then take the urn, grab out a handful of ashes, which he would then throw into the dead man's eyes. While this was happening, Flair had revived Jack Tunney, allowing him to see everything that was occurring inside the ring, including Hogan making the pin to become the WWF heavyweight champion for the fourth time. But a few days later, Tunney would strip him of the title due to the controversy surrounding both of the previous title changes, leading to the biggest championship match in its history. Tatsumi Fujinami had defeated Vader and held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over 300 days, when it became time for the biggest show of the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Fujinami would face the greatest 18 champion, Riki Choshu, to unify the belts at Super Warriors in Tokyo Dome on January 4th, 1992. The two men would focus on mat wrestling and headlocks to begin, before Choshu would slam Tatsumi multiple times to gain the advantage. Ricky would apply a sharpshooter, but Fujinami would get out and lock on a sharpshooter of his own. Choshu would hit a top rope double stomp and a pile driver before going for an ab stretch, which Tatsumi would escape with a back suplex. Fujinami would then head up top, only to be met by Ricky, to deliver a superplex and a drop kick for a near fall. Choshu would then finish up Tatsumi with a pair of suplexes and a lariat to become the IWGP heavyweight champion for the third time. Ricky Choshu would defend the title over the next few months until one of the new generation would step up under his villainous guise. WWF President Jack Tunney had stripped Hulk Hogan of the heavyweight championship after a pair of controversial finishes with The Undertaker. So the title was put on the line in the Royal Rumble. Ric Flair would enter the Rumble at number three, making his way to the Final Four with Hogan, Randy Savage, and Sid Justice. Macho Man would be placed on the top rope, allowing the Nature Boy to eliminate him with his running knee. The Hulkster and Nate would then tussle with the Nature Boy almost falling out to the floor following a flare flip, all with Sid looking on. But once he saw an opening, Justice would dump Hogan over the ropes. Hulk was in shock on the floor, so he would reach out, grabbing Sid by the arm, holding him in place, allowing Nate to dump Justice over to become the 19th WWF heavyweight champion. Flair would defend his title over the next few months until a jealous husband would challenge. After Lex Luger had won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, he would defend the title for the rest of 1991. But on February 29th, 1992, at Super Brawl 2, he would face his longtime friend in Sting. The two men would trade power moves early on until Sting would attempt the Scorpion Deathlock, but Luger would reach the ropes. Lex would rake the eyes of the Stinger, allowing him to start a lengthy beatdown, which included a press slam and a pile driver. Sting would begin to fight back, but would fly out of the ring after a missed clothesline, where Luger's manager, Harley Race, would attempt to pile drive him on the floor, only for the Stinger 
to reverse with a back body drop. Sting would then climb to the top rope, coming off with a crossbody for the pin to become the third WCW World Heavyweight Champion. The Stinger would remain champion until the summer when a monster of a man would arrive on the scene. Ric Flair had won the WWF Heavyweight Championship at the Royal Rumble and held the title for 77 days when Macho Man Randy Savage would challenge for the title at WrestleMania 8 on April 5th, 1992. In the lead-up, the Nature Boy had taunted Macho Man by claiming he had a prior relationship with Savage's wife, Miss Elizabeth, even going as far to say he had certain pictures of her. The match would start in a brawl, with Mr. Perfect interjecting himself to help Nature at times. Flair would be sent into a guardrail to bust him open. So Macho Man would attack the cut before hitting a flying elbow drop, only for Mr. Perfect to pull Savage out of the ring to stop the pin. Perfect would then toss a foreign object to the Nature Boy, who would use it on Macho Man, before Mr. Perfect would also use a chair across the knee of Savage. Miss Elizabeth would arrive to help just as Flair would lock on the figure four, but eventually Macho Man would reverse the hold, causing Nature to break it. The Nature Boy would go back to work on the leg before yelling to Liz, This is for you, baby. When Savage would block a punch and roll up Flair with a handful of tights for the pin to become the 20th WWF Heavyweight Champion. Macho Man would defend his title versus a variety of opponents for the next few months until the Nature Boy would finally get a rematch. Eastern Championship Wrestling had opened their doors in 1992 and would have a tournament for the NWA ECW Heavyweight Championship on April 25th. Jimmy Snuka would defeat Salvatore Balamo in the final to become the promotion's first champion. Jimmy Snuka, born 1943 in the British colony of Fiji, before moving to Hawaii where he became active in bodybuilding earning the title of Mr. Hawaii. Snuka would then opt to go into the more lucrative career of professional wrestling, making his debut in 1970. He would make his way to the NWA Pacific Northwest, where Jimmy would hold their top title six times, along with the tag belts six times as well. Snuka would then make his way from territory to territory, always making his way into different title scenes, such as the NWA World Tag Team and NWA United States Championships. By 1982, Jimmy had joined the WWF under the guidance of Captain Lou Albano. He would lose several title shots versus WWF Champion Bob Backlund in his time as a heel. In 1983, Snooker would feud with Don Morocco, which would lead to the most famous Superfly Splash of his career when Jimmy would leap off the top of a 15-foot cage in Madison Square Garden. Snuka would move on to other promotions before returning to the WWF, where he would become the first victim of The Undertaker in his undefeated streak. For his accomplishments, Jimmy Snuka is a member of the Professional Wrestling and WWF Hall of Fames. But Snuka wouldn't have to wait long for a challenger to his ECW Heavyweight Championship as he would have a title match the very next day.
Jimmy Snuka had won the NWA ECW Heavyweight Championship the day before. But on April 26th, 1992, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a longtime member of the territory in Johnny Hotbody would take the title. Johnny Hotbody, born 1963, would break into professional wrestling in 1988 after completing his training at the Monster Factory. He would make a name for himself in several Pennsylvania and New Jersey-based indie promotions before signing with the precursor to ECW in Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. In his time with ECW, he would also become the first ever television champion, along with being a three-time tag team champion. Hotbody would hold the heavyweight championship for a few months when a former champion would return for a rematch. Sting had defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and held the title for four months, when a new monster in Big Van Vader would arrive to challenge for the title at the Great American Bash on July 12, 1992. Vader had beaten down the Stinger a few months earlier, cracking a pair of ribs and rupturing his spleen after delivering a Vader bomb. During the match, both men would use power moves until Vader would control with a splash and a scorpion deathlock. Sting would fight back with a DDT and a German suplex, only for the ref to be knocked down. Stinger would hit a Stinger splash, try for a second one, only for Vader to move, causing Sting to hit his head on the post, busting him open. A woozy Stinger would whiff on some punches. So Vader would grab him and hit a powerbomb for the win to become the fourth WCW World Heavyweight Champion. A rematch was set for three weeks later, but a new arrival to WCW would cause a change that would lead to a history-making moment. Johnny Hotbody had been the Eastern Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion for over two months. When the former champion, Jimmy Snuka, would meet him on July 14, 1992. Hotbody would stall as much as possible to start, but once in the ring, the two men would trade strikes and holds when Snuka would fly into the ring with a sunset flip, only for Johnny to drop down with leverage. But the ref would see it, kicking the arms away, allowing Jimmy to roll him over for a near fall. Snooker would take control with headbutts and chops, delivering multiple backbreakers before coming off the top rope with a superfly splash for the pin and become a two-time ECW heavyweight champion. Jimmy would continue to defend the title when a man he had rivalries with in many different places would come to ECW to make a challenge. Big Van Vader had won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship three weeks earlier at the Great American Bash, and the time had come for a rematch with Sting on August 2nd, 1992. But the Stinger would be injured by a debuting Jake Roberts, causing WCW to find a replacement. They would hold a raffle with Ron Simmons becoming the new challenger. Damn. Simmons, born 1958, would become a two-time All-American in football and would have his number retired at Florida State University. He would have a brief career in the NFL and USFL 
before making his way to Jim Crockett Promotions in 1986. He would spend his first couple of years working his way up the ladder when he would team with Teddy Long and Butch Reed to form Doom. They would win the NWA World Tag Team Championship in 1990 and then the WCW World Tag Team Championships in 1991. But Reed would turn on Doom, leaving Simmons to begin a singles run. Ron Simmons would unsuccessfully challenge Lex Luger for the World Heavyweight Championship before feuding with Cactus Jack when the raffle would occur. Simmons would become the first recognized African American to be a world champion, and for his accomplishments he has been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Ron Simmons would continue his feud with Cactus Jack, the Barbarian, and Dr. Death Steve Williams before the former champion would finally come calling for a rematch. Ricky Choshu had won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the beginning of 1992 when one of the new generation of wrestlers would take the step forward to make a challenge at the G1 Climax Special 1992 on August 16th. The Great Muda, born 1962, was an amateur wrestler and had a black belt in judo before being trained in the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo. He would debut in 1984 against his future Three Musketeer, Masahiro Chono. Muda would make excursions to Florida, Puerto Rico, and Texas before making his way to WCW, where he would feud with Lex Luger, Ric Flair, and Sting, and capturing the NWA World Television Championship. Once he returned to Japan in 1990, Muda would immediately team with Chono to win the IWGP Tag Team Championships, holding the title for six months. Muda would defeat Sting at a jointly promoted Starcade at Tokyo Dome before making the finals in the first G1 Climax tournament later in 1991. At the start of 92, Muda would headline the first January 4th Tokyo Dome show, this time teaming with Sting to defeat the Steiner brothers. Muda would continue his rise as a singles competitor, making it to the semifinals of the G1 Climax 92 losing to eventual winner and friend, Masahiro Chono. But just days later, he would defeat Choshu in that match to become the 13th IWGP Heavyweight Champion. The Great Muda is one of three wrestlers to win the three major championships of Purasau, and in total has held 31 championships in his career. For his accomplishments, Muda is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. The Great Muda would hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over a year when one of his fellow Musketeers would make a challenge. The NWA World's Heavyweight Championship had been vacant for close to a year when the NWA had decided to make it the ultimate prize for the winner of the G1 Climax in 1992. Sixteen men from around the world would compete in a single elimination tournament that would see Masahiro Chono and Rick Rude meet in the finals on August 12, 1992, in Tokyo, Japan. Chono would control early on with working limbs, only for Rick to fire back with a pile driver and a top rope dropkick. Rude would go to a camel clutch, with Masahiro escaping with an electric chair drop, but missing a top rope clothesline 
allowing Rick to hit another missile dropkick. The two men would trade superplexes, followed by Rude going for a tombstone pile driver, only for Chono to reverse it into one of his own. Masohiro would then apply the STF, only for it to be too close to the ropes, allowing Rick to recover to deliver another pile driver and a top rope knee drop for a near fall. Chono would fire up to hit a back body drop and go to the STF, but decides to head up top for a flying clothesline once more, landing it this time for the pin to become the 43rd NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Masahiro Chono would defend the title all over the world until he would meet a fellow champion at the Dome. Macho Man Randy Savage had held the WWF Championship for five months after defeating Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8. He would defend the title versus the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam, where the Nature Boy and Mr. Perfect would interfere, injuring both men. But Savage would retain after a countout. This would lead to Flair and Macho Man facing each other on an episode of Primetime Wrestling on September 14th, 1992. During the match, Savage would be on the outside when Razor Ramon would attack Macho Man from behind, allowing the Nature Boy to take control back in the ring. Locking on the figure four, Savage would eventually pass out, causing the ref to make the three count and making Ric Flair a two-time WWF champion. Woo! The Nature Boy would travel the world defending the title, including Japan against Jinichiro Tenru. But the best challenger there ever was, was waiting for him in his home country. Jimmy Snuka had held the ECW championship for a couple of months, when his former rival, Don Morocco, would make his way to Philadelphia to face him on September 30th, 1992. Don Morocco, born 1949, grew up in Hawaii, becoming a state amateur wrestling champion. He would learn the ropes all along the West Coast when he would get his first big break, the AWA. In 1974, Morocco would face the NWA world champion Jack Briscoe, reversing his finishing move, making Don a new star in the eyes of the fans. After working through the territories, Morocco would debut in the WWF in 1981, capturing the Intercontinental Championship within months. A couple of years later, he would be in what would be his most famous match, when Snuka would leap off the top of a cage in Madison Square Garden onto Don. In his time in WWF, Morocco would win the first King of the Ring tournament, have feuds with Ricky Steamboat and Bob Orton, before saving superstar Billy Graham, adopting his tie-dye attire and becoming The Rock. After leaving WWF, Don would make his way around the world again, when ECW would make the call in 1992. For his accomplishments, Morocco has been inducted into the Professional Wrestling and WWE Hall of Fames. After becoming the fourth ECW champion, Don's next challenger would be a surfer who hadn't quite found himself yet. Ric Flair had held the WWF Championship for over a month. But he would make his way to Canada for a house show, 
where the country's homegrown superstar, Bret Hart, was waiting on October 12, 1992. Bret Hart, born 1957, was the eighth of 11 kids in the Hart wrestling family. He would help out at Stampede Wrestling as he grew up, and by 1976 was refereeing matches. Bret would make his official debut in 78, and would work there until the promotion was acquired by the WWF in 1984. Hart and Jim Neidhart would begin teaming as the Hart Foundation, going on to win the WWF Tag Team Championships a couple of times. In 91, the Hitman would break away to be a singles competitor, winning the Intercontinental Championship and the King of the Ring Tournament. In 1992, Bret would face Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8, pinning him to become the Intercontinental Champion for a second time and becoming the first wrestler in the WWF to ever pin Piper. Bret Hart would become known as the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be during his career. For his accomplishments, the Hitman has been inducted into the Professional Wrestling, Wrestler Observer Newsletter, and twice into the WWE Hall of Fame. Bret Hart would defend the title until the next WrestleMania, when he would square off with a man from the Orient. Next week, Best of Wrestling History X, Volume 4, <laughs> 1995. Where we'll pick, what, top five matches? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. And then, uh, favorites, you know, some honorable mentions. Basically take our short list matches and narrow it down to an even shorter list and have those uh, matches play. Yeah, yeah, no uh, no stars here, just uh, matches that made us all go, oh, damn. Yeah, no stinkers. Oh, damn. Which is all we, anybody really, that's what we're chasing. Yes, we watch what we're always chasing. That's what, like, yes. that's the that's the thing with this sport is, can you can they get you to say, "Oh damn"? Exactly, and you know, "Oh damn" was something serious before "Holy shit" came along. So, <laughs> telling you, "Oh damn," I said it quite a bit back in the day. <laughs> so, music from this week's show is "New Body" by Audio Adrenaline and "Bell Bottoms" by John Spencer Blues Explosion. Bell Bottoms. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns... I mean, we don't technically need recipes for the next show, but if you've got favorite matches of your own or something like that that you've uh, listened to us discuss already, shoot us a message. Get us us on the Twitters and let us know. Let us know if you disagree with our choices. Yes. And yeah, you can email those at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.